All right, we're recording. All right, great. Hello and welcome to All Things Japanese from the Japanese Canadian Cultural Center in Toronto. Our topic today is a Halloween special, Spooky Japan. My name is John Ota, and I serve on the Art Committee and the Board of the JCCC. Thank you for joining us. Spooky Japan. Halloween is this coming Sunday, October the 31st, and we are honored to have our special guest, Rui Umezawa, author of the book, Strange Light Afar. Rui Umezawa is a Toronto novelist and storyteller whose works have appeared in the Globe and Mail, Toronto Star, and Canadian Notes and Queries. Rui was born in Tokyo and has studied comparative literature and has an MA from the University of Alberta. He's written a number of books, but the book we're focusing on today is Strange Light Afar, Tales of the Supernatural from Old Japan. It was chosen by the CBC as one of the best books of 2015. Rui will touch on Halloween in Japan, the history of Japanese spooky stories, and he will read a passage from his book, Strange Light Afar. Rui, Rui, how are you today? Good, good. How are you? All right, good. This is, thanks for being here. That's such an honor to be chosen by the CBC as one of the best books of 2015. How did you feel about that? Oh, it was, you know, um, it's always, it's always great to, to know that people are enjoying, uh, you know, what you produce and, and to get that kind of recognition um, is the, you know, biggest indication of that. So yeah, it was really gratifying. Oh, that's great. I'm glad to hear that. I love your book, Strange Light Afar. Thanks, John. And yeah, I love it. You write beautifully. Your descriptions of old Japan are magical. And there's, I find, a different, unrushed pace to the writing. I really like it. So it's wonderful to read these stories from historical Japan. And there are also gorgeous and eerie illustrations by Mikiko Fujita in the book. Yeah, yeah she's yeah. terrific. Yeah, Just adds a whole different dimension to the book too. Yeah, has, sets up a nice atmosphere. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, yeah. So uh, Rui, Halloween is this Sunday. Is there Halloween in Japan? Well. Yeah, so now there is. Um, it's a, a relatively new phenomenon. I personally think uh, uh, the, the you know the popularity grew, uh, coinciding with the in influx of English teachers in Japan starting oh, in the late '80s. That's because amazing. the way I see it is that you know uh, people would go to these classes, English classes, and of course, naturally, the teachers draw on you know, like, uh, their experiences and, you know, or what kind of holidays are um, observed in, in their home country. And, and, uh, and I've seen, heard enough stories of teachers, you know, uh, taking up Halloween as a, a topic uh, in their classes. And then around the same time I started to see, or maybe a little bit later, because I think it took a, a few years for the effect to, you know, to, uh, to be seen. But then it started to grow more and more popular in Japan. And now it's a, a rather huge thing, especially in urban centers. 
you know, places like Shibuya and Tokyo becomes, you know, uh, become very crowded with cosplayers. I should point out though, that it seems to be a holiday for um, young people, like teenagers and young adults mainly there. So uh, you don't hear too much about uh, children going trick-or-treating in their neighborhood, for example. Oh, no trick-or-treating, no, oh, yeah. oh. So what kinds of costumes do, do you think people wear? Are they scary costumes or? Yeah, so you, yeah. you, you, you know, first of all, um, Japan, of course, is the land of cosplay. So that aspect of Halloween tradition was a really great fit uh, yeah. for Japanese young people. Yeah. And um, you see, you know, um, the usual vampires and, you know, witches <laughs> and so forth. But there's also, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, people dressed up as anime characters, yeah. you know, video game characters, things like that. What I find interesting, though, John, is that um, uh, if you Google uh, Halloween in Japan and see what kind of images come up, you will, you know, you very rarely see Japanese ghosts or Japanese oh. goblins. So it's almost as though um, the Japanese wanted to keep Halloween, you know, separate as a, as a Western, uh, you know, tradition. Um, that is, you know, distinct from their own horror traditions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Japanese vampire. I like that. I think I might have to get dressed <laughs> up like that this year. I like that. I like that idea. <laughs> so, Rui, what led you to write your book, Strange Land Afar? Yeah, so... Um... As you mentioned in your very kind introduction, I'm also a storyteller. And when I first started performing with the uh, Qatari Japanese storytellers in uh, Toronto, uh, I was struck by how peculiar um, uh, the behaviors of characters in these old folk tales often were. And it's not Jap just Japanese ghost stories, and it's not even unique to Japan. The old folk tales everywhere around the world were, you know, developed at a time when, you know, uh, stories were not necessarily character studies, like, you know, like conventions in Western literature now. So, you know, quite often they were didactic stories uh, meant to teach a lesson, for example, and the characters were just props to move the stories along. So uh, they often did things uh, that um, one can't always explain. And uh, my favorite example is Little Red Riding Hood. Why oh, does really? The yeah. yeah, yeah. So why does the wolf, John, spare Little Red Riding Hood in the forest and then rush to the grandma's house, you know, and dress, you know, and put, a, and, and, you know, shove the grandma in the closet, put on her clothes and then, you know, disguise herself. Why does he go through all that trouble when it would have been much easier to slay Little Red Riding Hood in the forest? If he wanted the grandma also, he could have just gone to the grandma's cabin afterwards. So these things are very hard to explain. And it's one thing to sort of passively listen to these stories or read these stories, but in trying to tell them verbally, I wanted to give the, you know, I wanted to take on the characters' voices and then I, these things started to bother me in the Japanese stories. Yeah. And so I felt compelled to give them, you know, things like motive and uh, more dimension, uh, really. 
And what was interesting was that by giving these people, these, uh, these characters, you know, things like backstories or, you know, adding more dimension to them, didn't necessarily uh, uh, redeem them. And in, no. in fact, by fleshing them out, the, the stories actually got, you know, uh, darker quite often. And so it was a really fun exercise. So Strange Light <laughs> Afar is a collection of, of stories that worked. I researched stories and, and, you know, not all stories I could come up with, uh, you know, plausible, you know, uh, motivation for these characters. But, you know, I take up things like addiction. I take up things like abuse, you know, things like that. And, yeah. and, and sort of try to, to flesh out the characters to sort of explain why they're doing the things they're doing. So the, the stories, you know, if you describe them very loosely, uh, would be recognizable to any Japanese person because they would have grown up with these stories. Oh, really? That's fascinating, but, yeah. Yeah, but if, you, if they read them, they would say, hopefully, oh, you know, I, I see things in the character, you know, that I didn't see before. So that was sort yes. of like the aim, you know? Yeah. Oh, it's good. That's good. Yeah, I actually found that a lot of those uh, characters had a lot of depth to them. And um, thank you. I have to tell you, after I read the stories, it really made me think. And those stories have stuck with me for a few days. Oh, just, that, you know? that's what I like to hear. That's what yeah. I love to hear. Thank you. Yeah, I, re I re you know, I just even that story about the, the, the person who uh, went into the water and rode the, on the back of a turtle into paradise. Right. I thought, and then and then came back and I thought, wow, that was amazing. Right. I, I was right there. I was right Thank there you. with him in paradise. So so that's not really traditionally considered a horror story in Japan. That's actually a, a beloved child's uh, children's story. Oh, yes. But, but you know, it's Rip Van Winkle in Western tradition. Right. right. And, and so I sort of make that um, uh, attach the, the concept of addiction to to that character. Oh, I see. So yeah. could you please tell us about the tradition of ghost stories in Japan? I was I was uh, uh, really enjoying the ghost stories from Japan. Yeah, sure. Uh, so first of all, we have to say um, that the uh, the season for ghost stories in Japan is summer. It's not fall. I see. And that's because um, the Japanese uh, Consider telling scary stories that send chills up your spine is a is a great way to to um, fight the you know the oppressive heat in uh, in Japan in the summertime. Oh really? So, I'll have to yeah, try so that. It's like, it's like cold noodles, you know. It's one of these many things, seasonal things that the Japanese <laughs> use to you know to uh, um, uh, fight the the summer heat. Yeah. So along with that comes um, things like kimodameshi, which is, um, you know, where people are, are dared to go into graveyards and retrieve something in the middle of the night, you know, so uh, things <laughs> like that. My goodness. Um, then there is uh, the hyakumonogatari, the uh, 100 tales, where people uh, sit in a dark room um, holding candles and uh, each one of them tells a, a scary story. And after each of them is finished, um, the, their own candle gets, you know, blows out. Uh, they, they blow out their own candle. So they take turns telling stories 
and blowing out their own candle. And when the last candle is blown out and the dark, then the room goes completely dark, they say a spirit will, you know, will be present in the in the room. So all these, oh. you know, added dimensions to to make scary stories even scarier. Um, one of my favorite uh, Japanese uh, tradition, a my a side tradition to Japanese ghost stories is is um, our off are the the goblins or ghosts that that um, often occupy washrooms, toilets. Oh. oh. So this goes back to when, when uh, uh, you know, Japanese uh, toilets were, you know, if you're lucky, it was, you know, a hole, you know, uh, on a dock above uh, overseeing a river. If yeah. not, you know, quite more often, though, they were just holes in the ground, right? And mm -hmm. you just squat yeah. over them. And, uh, but quite often something would grow, a plant, you know, a branch or something would blow, grow. And in the darkness, if you go into the toilet, and and squat down, you might feel a leaf caressing your 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 oh. bone. <laughs> oh, and from this arose this concept of of you know uh, goblins or ghosts occupying your uh, your washroom. Oh. Um, you know, but um so but on a more serious note though, um, yes. one thing I should stress about um you know, Japanese ghost stories uh, receive a lot of influence from the Shinto tradition, which, um, as you probably know, is, is pagan. So uh, there is no one omniscient god like there are in, in Western traditions. There's no counterpart to the Judeo-Christian god. So um, these goblins and ghosts um, uh, are not really there because of some concept of damnation or being punished or anything like that. They just they just exist, and no explanation. They're you know they might as well be a fox or something else, and because of that, you know in some ways there's they're they're a little bit more scary in my view because yes. you know you know it's not any justice being served or anything like that. It's just that these things, these poor grotesque things exist simply because, you know, they have their place in the world kind of thing. Yeah, very good, very good. Well, I was wondering if you could please read a passage from your book. Sure. I'd love to hear uh, a passage of, of uh, Strange Light Afar in your voice. Okay. Okay, so this is actually the the story that um, inspired me to uh, to put together this book. It's the the story that I tried to um, to, to tell with the Qatari storytellers, and uh, I could not explain the uh, the motive behind um, the the snow woman who make, who appears in the story, right. and uh, and I won't explain the motive. I want I want the readers to when they uh, read the book, you know, sort of infer what the, what the motive might be. But this is a very famous, this is one of the most famous uh, horror stories in Japan. And uh, uh, it starts with uh, um, a young woodcutter in my version, Minokichi, uh, who goes into the um, uh, mountains with his father. But in my version, the father uh, gets injured. So he actually goes into um, the mountains with his mother for this one particular day. And as they uh, work, 
uh, a snowstorm hits and they find that they're, they're stuck and they can't go home because the ferryman who brought them across the river has sort of abandoned them. And so they have to take shelter in uh, the hut that, they, that he had built. And so this, this is where we, we will uh, uh, join the story. Very good. So just off the dock was a hut that the ferryman had built as a place to rest between crossings. There was not even a small stove or a brazier inside, but the walls were windowless and provided reasonable shelter from the wind. Minokichi and his mother gathered some straw mats, wrapped a couple around themselves, and laid the remainder on the floor. Then they shut the door and rested in the darkness, huddled against each other like birds. Minokichi tried without success to ignore the swirling eddies of fear in his chest, but the warmth of his mother's body provided some comfort. The winds continued their anguished cries into the night. Minokichi awoke from a deep slumber and opened his eyes to the darkness. He stifled a cry, trying to remember where he was. As his eyes adjusted to the dark, he rose painfully, his limbs frozen and stiff. Above the whistling wind and the creaking walls, he could hear his mother breathing softly. Her skin, though, was deathly cold. She murmured, drawing the straw mat tightly around her shoulders. But there was something else. At first, Minokichi thought his ears were deceiving him. No, there it was again, a faint voice drowning in the storm outside. Please, it whispered, let me in. Careful not to awaken his mother, Minokichi went to the door and slid it open a crack. Dim moonlight penetrated the clouds and reflected on the thick bed of ice and snow. More snow danced in the frenzied wind. The tiny flakes in the near darkness looked like a horde of insects. Minokichi almost did not notice the woman standing still as a tree stump in the deep snowdrift. She wore a white morning kimono and although her face was still young, her hair was streaked with strands of silver and white. The long thick strands fell wildly about her face and shoulders. Please, she said again, would you let me in? She drew closer without marking the snow. Minokichi rubbed his eyes, unsure whether to trust what he saw. He could see her eyes in the shadows, strangely sad and needy. Please, she said once more, let me in. Minokichi hesitated. Let me in! A blast of wind knocked him backward and he fell. He struggled to get up but he could hardly feel his limbs chilled to the bone and joints that he was. It was so bitterly cold and he was drained, exhausted. He looked up to see the mysterious woman inside the hut, hunched over his sleeping mother. The woman had drawn her mouth close to his mother's face and at first glance seemed to be blowing tenderly upon it. But the woman's breasts were clouds of frozen mist and his mother's own breathing grew slow and shallow. The hut turned even colder. 
What are you doing? Minochikichi asked between chattering teeth. The woman turned to him. She came closer and he struggled to find the hands and feet that, so that he might get up. He could feel nothing. The woman from the storm reached out slowly and cradled his face in her hands. They were like ice and yet he saw her eyes pleading. I want to take you as well, she finally said softly, but you very much resemble my own son who was also taken by the storm so long ago. A faint trace of affection warmed her voice slightly. An eternity seemed to pass and the wind outside howled impatiently. Minokichi glanced at his mother who continued her slumber unmoving. How can she sleep through this, he thought. The question in his mind was deafening. Finally, a flash of decision ignited in the mysterious woman's eyes. Very well, she said. The fates have played a trick on both of us tonight, my child. I'll let you live. In spite of this show of mercy, however, hatred twisted her face. She threw him back against the wall and stood up quickly. But make no mistake, your life is now mine. As long as you live, what occurred here tonight must be kept secret. Speak of it to no one. If you do, I'll be back. And I swear to the darkness that I will kill you then. Do you understand? Minokichi was petrified. She leaned over and slapped his face. Do you understand? He nodded vigorously. I, I promise not to tell anyone. To his surprise, she smiled. That's a good boy. A gust of wind carried in a veil of snow, which wrapped around her shimmering body. Strands of silver hair flowed across her face. She was enchanting, terrifying. Remember, my beautiful child, she said. You promised. Her voice seemed to grow more distant, fading into the white shadows until she disappeared completely. The cold crushed him at that moment and he passed into oblivion. By morning, the air had fallen still. Thank you, Rui. So nice to hear the story in the voice of the author. I'm, I'll reread that and I'll, I'll hear your voice. That's <laughs> very you. good. And so nice for us to meet the author. Thank you so Thank much. Information on Rui Umezawa's book, Strange Light Afar, will be on the JCCC podcast website. That's jccc.on.ca. Also, you can buy this book at your favorite independent bookstore or order it online. I highly recommend Strange Light Afar as Halloween reading or anytime reading. So in conclusion, I want to thank our guest today, Rui Umezawa. Yay! Thank you very much, John. We hope that you've enjoyed listening to this Halloween special podcast on Spooky Japan. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you have a happy and spooky Japanese Halloween this Sunday. My name is John Ota, and this has been All Things Japanese from the Japanese Canadian Cultural Center. Arigato. Arigato. Arigato gozaimashita. Thank you. Thank you, John. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Ha, <laughs> ha.